Welcome to the Eric Jackson Podcast. Happy to have uh, you folks join me again. I'm talking today about why Netflix is still dominating international growth, despite the earnings that came out this past week from Netflix, which disappointed Wall Street because Netflix missed its own internal estimates for subscriber growth in Q2, which it gave just three months ago um, at the end of Q1. Um, and an initial sell-off in the shares in the aftermarket. And when the stock opened on Tuesday morning this past week, um, there is, from my perspective, still very much a a bullish case to be made for the the stock uh, and the company from here based on the opportunity that still lies in front of them, uh, not only in the U.S., where I still think there is... uh, upside ahead um, over their current subscriber numbers, but definitely internationally. So in order to make the bullish case for Netflix, and uh, I do own uh, Netflix shares, and I wrote a very positive piece about why I thought Netflix was still underappreciated back in um, the early part of this year. I think it was February of this year on CNBC.com. When the stock was trading, I believe in the low 200s, um, uh, you know, and, and, and international was one of the eight reasons that I cited at that at that time about uh, why I think this, the company still overvalued. Stocks had a huge run since then. Uh, it was up something like 126 percent for the year after this earnings. I think it's back down to something like more like 100 percent gain for the year, uh, which is still obviously fantastic uh, but uh, th- this is still there there is still a big upside ahead for Netflix despite um, people who go on TV and want to counterbalance the the big gains in the stock by pointing out uh, the the potential competitive threats facing the company from the likes of Disney entering the market next year with their own entertainment over the top service uh, to uh, Amazon to um, other localized players making a big push internationally to fight uh, against Netflix. So in order to, to kind of um, present the opportunity uh, of why I think Netflix is so far ahead of the competition, um, I wanted to, to basically present a case study of Canada, uh, which is uh, where Netflix has been operating since the year 2010. And obviously, Canada is just one country. Uh, Netflix is going after something like 190 countries besides the U.S. Um, and, um, and and each one has its own unique uh, market characteristics and its own set of competitors. But it is still, I think, um, instructive to kind of dive deep into what has happened in the Canadian mar- market for Netflix and how they've amassed such a sizable lead in that market 
and why it's going to be extremely difficult for uh, several of its competitors uh, to to catch up to it in that market. So if you take that one market and you kind of multiply it across 190, um, you, you can start to get a, a better sense of the magnitude of the lead that I think Netflix has in the entertainment um, over the top space uh, compared to others. So to 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 kind of go back to the beginning uh, for Netflix in Canada, uh, Canada was not the first international market it really went after, um, but but it, it did make a big push starting in the year uh, 2010. It was actually September 2010 when they launched service in Canada. They started initially offering the service at a $7.99 uh, a month price point, which uh, back then was, uh, I think, even uh, more price competitive than, than what the lowest tier offer was in the U.S. for their service. Um, and uh, it was a big deal. There were, there were no other uh, entertainment monthly streaming services offered in Canada at that time, and there wouldn't be a, a local competitive service to Netflix in the streaming space for another five years. Uh, basically, uh, Netflix had a five-year head start to... Uh, get its name out there, uh, get get known to Canadians, um, and uh, to build up a subscriber base, and through word of mouth, kind of grow that subscriber base and and loyalty to the service uh, without any kind of uh, alternative service for people to, to point to. Um, but after five years and um, significant increase in mind share across the country, uh, uh, finally, the local uh, oligopoly cable providers in Canada, who sort of carved, who had carved up the country geographically, uh, they, they realized that uh, this is a, you know, a long-run competitive threat to them, and they felt like they needed their own entertainment streaming service to offer to compete against Netflix, and so uh, in uh, 2015, basically two. Uh, competitive entertainment streaming services launched in Canada. One was called Show Me, which was backed by Rogers Cable, who, who sort of has a kind of loose affiliation with Comcast in the States, um, as well as um, Shaw Cable. Uh, and then the second service was called Crave TV, uh, and that was backed by uh, Bell Media, which is owned by Bell uh, Telephone, which is one of the, the, the local phone companies. In Canada, and so uh, basically, both services promised that they would have top-tier um, entertainment content uh, at a relatively low price. Um, the, the price point uh, was extremely popular uh, for, that Netflix had been offering for you know budget-minded Canadians, uh, and so these alternative services, Show Me and Crave TV. Promise that basically you're going to get the same quality of entertainment, if not better, from us um, at just as good a price, if not better. And they they kind of launched uh, themselves to that market and landed both with a with a pretty resounding thud, um, and to the point where uh, basically Show Me lasted a little more than a year, um, and until uh, both cable companies decided to pull the plug on that service. And uh, they basically got tired of writing checks for the original content um, and paying for the, the obviously the, the customer acquisition costs that were necessary through different marketing 
expenses for the services. Uh, so one year and gone. So that left Crave TV. Crave TV uh, is still around and it's still operating. Um, and, and there have been some other uh, streaming services that have launched in Canada recently in the last couple of years. Amazon is probably the, the, the best known one. Uh, CBS All Access uh, entered the Canadian market. It was the, the first international expansion for CBS All Access. Uh, I think it was just about a year ago, if not a, a little less than that. And DAZN, uh, which is the the, the sports uh, entertainment streaming service, uh, has been in Canada for a couple of years. Uh, made some headway or made some made some noise, I should say, a couple, um, last year when it, it got the basically the Sunday ticket package in Canada, uh, the rights to, to offer that instead of the local kind of Roger Cable Rogers Cable um, provider, and so they, they also offer things like BN Sport and NFL Network uh, as part of their subscription, in, in addition to some of the you know the, the cricket stuff that they've got from Sky and. Um, and other darts and all this kind of stuff that they that they offer. I, I, the boxing, I presume, is going to be there as well. So it, it's a more uh, it, it's a little bit more competitive of a, an entertainment streaming space today. But basically, there is still really only there's there's only one domestic competitor now to Netflix, which is this Crave TV, um, backed by Bell Media, as I said. So, uh, but but here's a here's a snapshot of how Netflix is doing in Canada relative to Crave TV. Uh, so Netflix, as according to one uh, Canadian consultancy firm, in April of 2018, had 6.7 million subscribers uh, in Canada. <clears throat> Crave TV, as part of its quarterly um, earnings calls, announced at the same time that it had uh, amassed 1.3 million subscribers. So Basically, a 5x difference, 6.7 million to 1.3 million. Obviously, part of the reason is that Netflix had a much bigger, you know, head start. Uh, basically, you know, after eight years, it had achieved 6.7 million. 6.7 million might not sound a lot, but again, remember, Canada is about 10% the size of the U.S. If you, you, you basically took that number and on a per capita basis, kind of compared it to the, the Netflix U.S. subscriber numbers, um, you basically you'd have to increase the U the current U.S. Um, household subscribers by twenty percent uh, to achieve what and 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 of course you know Canada started later than the U.S. So the adoption of uh, the Canadian households to Netflix has been you know remarkable um, and uh, and significantly higher than this uh, the the, lo the local offering from Crave TV now. The only way that Crave TV has been able to get to 1.3 million is through uh, back in 2015, so three years ago now, uh, Bell Media struck deals, one with HBO and one with Showtime, which basically were five-year deals, cash up front that the Canadian entity Bell Media paid to uh, both HBO and to Showtime for access to their uh, content, uh, including their library of content, um, and which they would, uh, which Bell Media would have exclusive uh, access to within the Canadian geography uh, for that five-year period. And the agreement said that uh, Bell Media could use that to sell uh, through their linear pay TV channels, uh, 
which they have been doing, and in addition, would be able to use those libraries as part of their um, their streaming only uh, packages. So, so basically, the Crave TV. So if you subscribe to Crave, you can get like you know the, the history of the Sopranos and Game of Thrones up till kind of the last two seasons or something like that, and you know all, all kinds of other stuff. Um, uh, and Showtime, Showtime as well. Uh, so, uh, and the deal also said that uh, basically HBO Go would not be able to launch within the Canadian geography during the, the during the five year period. Same for Showtime. Uh, basically, the only way for Canadian to get that content would be through Crave TV. So, uh, you know that that's something. Anyway, the, the Crave TV has does have some originals. Um, most of them you've probably never even heard of. Um, there's one that got picked up on Hulu, I think. Hulu's not in Canada, by the way. Hulu's really, is not an international company. It's only, U- it's a U.S. only company. And I think that will change um, uh, quickly once Disney takes it over. Um, because And that's a big opportunity for Disney. Uh, so some of the content that's on Hulu today uh, it, you know, it, it's it gets basically there's there's a, just, just a number of different license deals on where certain content goes uh, internationally. So different, different, you know, with different geographies, Handmaid's Tale, uh, you know, will be with one provider in Canada and a different provider in Europe, and so on and so forth. Um, so that's just a, a side note. But uh, what to go back to the the HBO and Showtime deals uh, between them and Bell Media, the big. Uh, risk for Bell Media is that we are 18 months away, basically, from the ending of uh, those two contracts. And so we don't know for sure what will happen. Perhaps those companies will will just re-up with Bell Media. But you recall that, um, you know, basically, when Time Warner existed in 2015, um, they were a collection of HBO, um, Turner, and... um, uh, Warner Brothers, obviously, which uh, CEO Jeff Bukas was holding together and hoping for a, a, a suitor like an AT&T uh, to come along and buy the whole thing at a premium, all three businesses together. They weren't looking to, you know, basically slice up the divisions uh, and have HBO run itself like a, like a Netflix, for example, where it's aggressively trying to push itself internationally and get that big head start. Instead, uh, Jeff Buke was, was quite happy for a partner like Bell Media to come along and to um, uh, pay cash up front uh, for these high margin licensing deals with, uh, with them to get access to their content. Um, it made their EBITDA look better. And if they were going to get bought by an AT&T at a multiple of EV to EBITDA, um, that was going to help increase the potential uh, bid that an AT&T would have to make for a Time Warner. So um, now things are different, though. Uh, obviously, the world's changed. AT&T now owns Time Warner and HBO. And I would think that if I'm Randall Stevenson, uh, when the Bell Media deal expires, I want to take HBO Go not only into Canada but around the world because that's what Amazon Prime Video is doing. That's what Netflix is doing with an eight-year head start. Um, and so uh, I, I would assume Showtime wants to go direct. I mean, you already have CBS All Access in Canada, so it would seem natural that Showtime would want to launch its own competitive service. And so, you know, I think what's really interesting is 
you know, what is going to happen to this crave TV service in competition with, with Netflix, uh, if both of those, uh, networks decide to take their content onto their own service. Well, uh, I would think the 1.3 million subs that crave TV has today are going to, uh, get reduced pretty significantly. Uh, they, uh, Bell Media has struck, uh, earlier this year, they struck a deal with stars TV or stars rather to bring, you know, th- that library, uh, into Canada. So maybe they'll just pivot and just become basically a, uh, a Canadian, um, version of stars in, in the U S uh, that's possible. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, the appeal of that relative to a one-stop shop for HBO and Showtime content, um, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be far, there's going to be far less interest in that uh, compared to what the, the 1.3 million subs that they have today. And then they could just go heavy into, uh, producing this local content, like the, uh, the, the, there's like this letter Kenny show that I was telling you about before, which is basically, um, about a bunch of Canadians living in a trailer park, sitting around drinking beer, um, which I think Hulu did license the second season of. So there's that, uh, but that's obviously very expensive, and you know you have to question whether there's global demand for a lot of that uh, uh, you know potential original content that uh, that Bell Media might want to start producing um, when there's not a great track record to, to point to. Um, so it's um, it's a conundrum for the Bell Media's of the world. Uh, is how you know do you, do you how do you compete against a Netflix that's already five times bigger? And one thing I didn't mention is that they're currently still growing faster uh, than Crave TV is in Canada, in, you know, in the, on, a, on a year-to-year basis. Um, again, going back to last April, Netflix is growing its subs in Canada by about 29% year-over-year, whereas Crave TV is only growing theirs by 22%. So uh, the, the future is pretty bleak in my view. Uh, I don't, and it sort of shows this this problem, and why I think we are facing a world where you're just going to have a number of global uh, streaming players who really have the balance sheets uh, that they're able to uh, invest in their own content and take it around the world, country by country. So I think it's it's going to be Netflix, it's going to be Amazon, it's going to be this combination of Disney slash Hulu slash Star India. There's going to be HBO owned by AT&T. There's going to be Showtime out there, although that's probably you know you know niche and probably in the long run they're going to get swallowed up by some bigger entity. And then there's probably Apple. Um, and so, what do these local players like Bell Media do? Uh, they just they're either going to have to team up with one of those bigger global players that I mentioned, um, or they're going to have to follow the show, the show me model, which is basically, hey, we're, we don't have, we're not going to just continue to throw money down the hole here. Uh, we, you know, the, the future, is, you know, is not bright. Um, and so uh, I think just it's a, a an interesting little uh, story uh, of just how um, difficult I think it was and I, how underappreciated I think it is still the the risk and the the losses that Netflix had to incur by going global to 190 countries. Um, you know, in, in the case of Canada, eight years ago now, they've got an eight-year head start on Disney. Uh, they've got an eight-year head start. Um, 
to some extent on on H. Well, it's going to be probably uh, ten years by the time HBO kind of gets its act together and why when when it can finally exit the deal like they have with with Bell Media, and that that's just really puts them behind the eight ball in trying to catch up. Um, there, uh, there. I was listening to a podcast um, earlier this week um, with uh, Modest Proposal, and he was talking about how these, you know, the thing that a lot of people um, forget about with these streaming services is uh, customer acquisition costs, and it, I, I think it's a phenomenal point. I, that's why Show Me shut down. That's why Crave TV is doomed, in my opinion. Um, you know, and, you know, it's going to be very difficult for. for Unless your name is Disney, uh, you just don't have an easy calling card, uh, you know, to to, uh, to a lot of people on a global basis. So it's going to take money to to tell your story and to get attention. Uh, so anyway, this is a uh, this is why Canada is a, is a small little country. It's just one little country. It's not the be all and end all. But I think when you start to dive deep into its history and how things have, have developed, uh, it does give you a sense of. If you take that multiplied by 190 other countries, why Netflix is in such a strong position, but also why I think they have spent so much on content, um, even though people you know always get caught up on uh, the the magnitude of the of the content spent, they're they're amortizing that across 190 countries. Uh, compare that to a Bell Media who is making a show about Canadians drinking beer in a trailer park. And trying to you know get a return on that across you know across and, and maybe getting one deal uh, for Hulu to, to license it in you know for one season, um, so it, it's just I think it, it's it gives you a better perspective on why Netflix has done what it's done. It also I think to me anyway uh, gives you a sense of why I think there is still enormous upside for and momentum uh, behind Netflix globally. So. That's the bullish case. Uh, I'm biased, obviously, um, but uh, I hope you enjoyed the, the deep dive into Netflix. Um, feel free to uh, share your comments and reaction and uh, feedback with me uh, on Twitter or wherever. Um, but I'll leave it there. And until next time, thanks for tuning in to the Eric Jackson podcast. Mm-hmm.